0: Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of his word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. Again, my folks, today is how to recover all. Verse 6, I want to remind you, after David is raided at Ziglad, I want you to understand that David was greatly distressed. You see that in verse 6? Just that first part of verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. David being distressed under this pressure became the opportunity for David to encourage himself Him encouraging himself was the first point and first step to what I'm going to call self-love It was his first step to get himself right in this battle. It's hard to help others when you're in a disarray I've learned in the secular realm of management that the first key to management is not management. It's called self-management, meaning you can't manage others until you first manage yourself. So David encourages himself. It's self-love. He's distressed, but he encourages himself. It's time for him to make sure he gets the love right. Tell somebody to get the love right. Get the love right. Sometimes we have focused on everything else, but we hadn't gotten the love right It's important that you get the love right because whatever you love you fight for So if you never get the love right you can never fight the right things So you're getting ready to fight to get your stuff back, but to get your stuff back You got to first get the love right so I say get the love right Y'all get the love right. So many times people focus on uh, the the different types of love. There's actually four types of love. Uh, It is agape, phileos, or philia, which means friendship, affection. Agape, which is sacrificial, unconditional love. Storhe, which is love between family members and loved ones. And then eros, which is a romantic type of love. Some people get lost in life when things start happening to them. Um, they don't know where to start with love. But if you're gonna fully recover all, you gotta start at first place with love. It's not at Eros. It's not at Eros. As much as we love relationships where we are ordained to share romantic love, e- Eros is not first. It's not first. It's not Storhe. Uh, Storhe. That's the love between family members. That's good, but that's not first. It's not Falejos. It's not the relationship between friends, uh, the love and affection between friends. It is agape. If you're going to get yourself back, you got to recognize there's somebody who loves you more than you can love yourself you're not able to even properly love everybody else in the order that i was going all right you're not able to love people phileos friendship a story family or eros a romantic love you're not able to properly do that until you first understand unconditional love because sometimes when things are in disarray you need to be reminded while you're in disarray that somebody loves you right then No, it's a difference if you love me when I get myself together, that's that's good, that's good. But there's another love that God calls agape that says it's supernatural love that enables me to love you right now. In the current circumstance you're in, and David is distressed, part of the situation in 1 Samuel 30 is David's fault. Some of it is his own self-inflicted wounds, but yet he has to get the love right. Say, get the love right. That first aspect of love is not to work on the love with your friends. It's not. Sometimes when things go awry and things we're trying to get things back, we try to work on the love with other people. No, 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 no. It's not working on the love in relationship with your wife or spouse. I know your marriage is on the line, but if you're going to handle it properly, you got to go back to the top and go back to God. Say, go back to God. Go back to God. You got to go back to God and be reminded of his agape love and from that place you can restore every other place from that place you can feed every other place and so many times as we get ourselves together to recover all we go to try to fix all the other relationships except the relationship with God so David is distressed but look what his stress does to him in verse 8 and David inquired at the Lord His stress led him to pray. The question is, what is your pressure doing to you? His pressure being distressed led him into prayer, which means I cannot fix this on my own. I don't know what it is, but there's something about our intelligence that tricks us. It makes us think when we are in our best days that we can even sustain ourselves in our best days, not knowing that it is God who is helping us in our best days. We get tricked when we're doing well, we get tricked when everything's paid and things are smooth sometimes. We forget that we don't just trust God in bad times, tell someone, I trust Him to keep it good. And we cannot uh, forfeit not trusting God in all times, especially in difficult times. The pressure leads David into prayer. It leads him into prayer. It didn't take him other places. It goes into prayer. He goes into prayer through this pressure and he begins to pray to the Lord. Can I pursue these Enemies. Can I have my stuff back? I want you to understand about prayer. Prayer is many things. But one thing I want you to understand, prayer is a place to cast and get rid of your burdens. I want you to understand, we are supposed to cast what we're carrying. The Bible tells us to cast our cares on him for he careth for you. So the only way really that God properly can take care of your situation properly is if you let it go If you hold it on to things, it's hard for God to get involved in your situation it's hard for God even if God sovereignly divinely moves some things out of your life if you still addicted to it you'll run back to it so the best advice I can give you is to give it up to God cuz God can't move you move you and move it till you let it go you got to cast your cares to him for he cares for you that's why the love is again is important I'm building blocks here you gotta understand why the love is important because when you cast it you're casting it like he can handle it you're casting it like it's something he can take care of and when you cast it you expect him to catch it when you cast it you expect him to take care of it and it's saying I trust you with this situation you know how severe it is but I'm going to trust you and let it go I'm gonna actually uh-oh, lose control Oh, that's the thing, that's the thing that sometimes we miss and what prayer helps us do, it helps us to transfer control. Prayer helps us to say, God, I'm not in control. And I think some of us will do a lot better when we start telling God, I'm not in control. And we start telling him, you're in control. You're in control of this. You're sovereign over this. And David begins to pray and cast his cares and release everything out of his head, his hands, and his heart. It's hard for God to reset you and get you going when your head and heart is full of yesterday. When your head and your heart is full of the pain and the circumstance that you face, it's hard for God to give you new direction. Matter of fact, if you overstressed about what you're going through and you don't let it go, this is what will happen. You will go to God and you will hear God. See, if you don't let it go, what you're going to hear in prayer is your voice. The key of hearing God's voice is to get yourself out of the way you got the decrease that he may increase Sometimes people's life get worse because they start listening to their own selves Have you ever talked to yourself and start telling yourself be quiet? have you ever heard your own self give your own self guidance and counsel that if you listen to it you'll be down the wrong path and you can't get over this hump in your life until you learn to tell your own self be quiet David has to discipline himself in this moment cast his cares on Christ let go the pain of yesterday free his hands and free his heart when he does that I want you to understand in verse 8 it says that God told him to pursue everybody said pursue pursue didn't come until he let go when he got in prayer and let go what he was going through God told him to pursue Look at verse 9, and then it says, and David went. All right, God told him to pursue, and David went. Now that his prayer life is back in order, he's hearing God to tell him pursue. Now he has the faith to walk in what God is telling him to do. Now, notice when God tells him to pursue, God doesn't give him a whole lot of instructions. Many times when God starts setting you free, it begins with one word. Some of us get one word from God and we are discouraged because the one word don't have a lot of steps. Only thing God told David is pursue. What does that mean? Get ready. What does that mean? Get yourself going. Where do I go? Go where you think you need to go. Do what you need to do. Sometimes, after God tells us to pursue, we sit around thinking that God's gonna tell us everything at first. And some of us never can move to the next place of our life because we stuck with the first word God told us God told us you're gonna be healed and what we've been doing is sitting around here looking in the sky and being healed. Wanted to be healed no when God says be healed then you got to get up and go to the track You got to get up and start eating your fruit and your vegetables. When God say be healed, many times we take a word and we sit there and look in the sky for God to do something. God tells David to pursue. He don't give him another word. The first word he gives is the word that moves him forward. And so if you're going to recover all, you got to move forward with what you have. With what you have, right? And you can't be sitting there talking about what you don't have. I would do this if I had that. Well, you're going to always be where you are right now. Sooner or later, you're going to say, whatever I have is enough to start. Whatever I have, I'm going to use what I have. So I'm going to use what I have. Uh, yeah, you're going to use what I have. David uses the word from God, which is pursue, and he begins to pursue and move forth ahead. He's ready now for God to help him recover all. And now miracles begin to flow. So everybody, miracles begin to flow. One of the first miracles I want you to recognize, and I still must point out in this text, that it's a miracle. Because although David came to his 600 men and 200 of them were tired, all 600 of them were ready to fight the war. See, that's the first miracle. The first miracle I want you to understand is God changed everybody's mindset about what happened yesterday. Oh, it's a miracle! They're ready to go get their stuff back. They overcame the pain. They overcame the raid. Ziklag was raided. They had cried all night long. They wept all night long. And the same people who have wept are ready to war. I want to caution you. Sometime, when God, sometime getting ready to restore something, you better be careful not to be thinking like yesterday. Because God has a way of taking the same people. Now, I know what social media told you and these these wonderful memes that tell you all type of cliches. But let me tell you something about God. God will take people who were hurt yesterday, heal them, and get them ready for tomorrow. I know I know we've been taught to give up on people because of what happened yesterday But you better read your Bible these people was about to kill and stone David yesterday And now today they're ready to be an army I want to caution y'all on some of the things that y'all been going through because some of the things y'all been going through You about to give it away throw it in the towel because yesterday was a mess But the first miracle is God will work with your past God will work with didn't work yesterday because everything in your Past. I got to say this God ain't about to get rid of we think God's about to get rid of everything that didn't work but things that didn't work God's gonna fix there's some things that didn't work out but God's gonna fix and we have now developed a mentality that if it didn't work yesterday don't mean it ain't gonna work tomorrow let me tell you something about God God is a God of restoration and he'll take the thing that didn't work yesterday and make it good for today it's in the tax we got a, we got a whole generation of people who can't wait for God to fix nothing. We got a whole generation of people who believe God can't do miracles and this is the first miracle. I know I'm messing with you. I know I'm messing with your secularism because your secularism told you that when people show you who they are, believe them. But that don't mean they're going to be the same person always. Because if that's true, all of y'all was somebody yesterday. All of y'all was somebody different two years ago. All of y'all. It don't mean people can't change. That's all I'm trying to say. That God, I'm trying to get you out of this secularism because some people are changing from who they used to be. Some... I said some people uh, ain't nobody in here changing. I was looking around like who changing. Some people are changing from who they used to be and what they used to do, and they're getting ready for their future. If you're one of those person who be making yourself better, say I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. 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 It's the first miracle I want you to understand that the people who were in a wreck yesterday. Are ready to fight today. Uh, well, I'm gonna preach that a little bit. The people who were hurt yesterday are ready for destiny today. Hallelujah. Tell somebody you see me today, but you didn't see me yesterday. So, yesterday I was a wreck. See, yesterday I was strung out on drugs. Give me two minutes. Yesterday I was caught up in wrong places with wrong people. Yesterday, yesterday I was confused. Yesterday I was bruised. Yesterday I was torn. Yesterday, but tell them, but today, oh, you get what I'm saying? God has performed a miracle. And move them into a today's blessing that now these people are ready. Tell somebody, say, they're ready now. They're ready now. Yeah, they're ready now. And David is moving with these people. And now as they are pursuing their destiny to get their stuff back and ready to go, there's another miracle about to take place. Yeah, another miracle about to take place. I want you to see it in verse 11. Here we go. Verse 11 says, And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, gave him bread. He did eat, and they made him drink. Wait a minute. Let's pause. I don't know about David and his men, but I'm kind of feeling kind of triggery right here. When I read that verse, it puts me in a whole nother space. Uh, Because the first thing after getting themselves together with the 400 who ready to go fight time They go pursue one of the first things they meet on the way is an Egyptian Now if you know your Bible, the Bible lets us know that there was a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph And the Pharaoh that knew not Joseph put the Israelites children in bondage And here and and the Egyptians put them in hard slavery So when David and his men come up upon this Egyptian, it's a test if they're delivered from your past let me tell you, when you go to recover all, you gonna meet some things that look like yesterday. Uh, I say when you go to recover all, you're gonna meet some things that look like yesterday. And if you are in yesterday, you're gonna deal with today like yesterday you ain't hear me if you also, when you get going I guarantee you you're gonna find something on your way to recover that looks like I've been here before and if you still back in your old pain you go I ain't dealing with this no more you know all, all, all they saw was an Egyptian and if they weren't clear from their past they would not be ready for this moment That's why, David, let me tell you something, why it's important when you get ready to go recover all, you got to learn how to practice, tell somebody to say discipline. Yeah, discipline. You got to learn how to practice discipline. When they find the Egyptian, it's an opportunity. Opportunities give you a chance to decide. That's what opportunities do, give you a chance to decide, but discipline. Is the power to decide David is practicing discipline right here cuz sometimes when you judge things you can judge it wrong if you're not careful you may kill something God's about to resurrect if you still stuck on what you come through and when God start moving you into recovery you're now gonna be the person who's not able to handle what God is doing That's why David first I didn't go to this point, but I go to it now. That's why David put on the ephod the ephod means restraint it was a garment like a girdle everybody say a girdle say a girdle, you know what a girdle is, all right? he put on a priestly garment which was under the robe of a priest it's an ephod, it helped what it means, spiritually is God hold me together while I'm going through this, keep everything from going all over the place keep my emotions from being all over the place, give me the greatest discipline when I feel like I'm under the greatest attack, y'all know what I'm saying. David practiced discipline in prayer. He puts on the ephod and say God, gird me up. I can't afford not to hear you now. Have you ever been to the place where everything was so crazy but you said to yourself, I don't care what's going on. One thing I will not do is not hear God right now. Have you ever been there where things were so crazy but you refused not to hear God? David grabs the ephah because it means I got to practice discipline now. It's that discipline that he uses that gives him discernment in this moment. Because it's something from their past. And if they don't handle it right, they're going to miss their blessing. God seemed like he playing tricks. I read this thing. God said, read it again. I'm like, God, I read it. He said, they found an Egyptian. See, if you're not careful, and if you don't get healed, you'll also get triggered by your blessings. You'll also get triggered by your blessings. And every time God brings a resource your way, you look at it just like the thing that hurt you. You look at it at the thing that did you wrong. You look at it the same way. You see a black car and the person that hurt you have a black car and all of a sudden, and I know y'all laughing, but there's something about the mind. And, And every time you see a black car, all of a sudden you don't like Monte Carlo's. Ain't nothing wrong with Monte Carlo's, but because your ex had a Monte Carlo and he wasn't right, now you don't like Monte Carlo's. There's something about the mind that if you don't discipline the mind and tell the mind how to think and tell the mind how to judge situations, they come upon an Egyptian and that Egyptian can look like slavery. Um, oh y'all don't want me to preach in here today oh you act like you ain't never been through nothing but imagine if your kinfolk had been put in slavery and you walk up about to recover all and you see an egyptian what you think you're gonna do you're gonna remember you're going to remember on behalf of your ancestors. You're going to remember on behalf of the pain of your daddy. You're going to remember on behalf of the pain of your mama. And some of y'all still carrying about other people's pain. And other people's struggles. And other people's situations. But David don't even feel any obligation. Y'all ain't ready for the text. To even be mad at the Egyptian about what they did yesterday. I'm wondering when the church going to get delivered. When is the church of Jesus Christ going to get delivered that we don't judge people by the color of their skin I ain't talking about the world the world is blind and full of foolishness but I wonder when the believer How can y'all expecting y'all? Y'all expecting the world to handle the racism issue? Y'all really are? <laughs> That's a joke. The world can't handle the racism issue. The movement of civil rights started with a preacher. Don't get it twisted. It started with a preacher with a mandate from God to handle the things of injustice. I'm wondering when the church going to be able to discern just from a little beyond the color of things. They come upon an Egyptian, look like an Egyptian, talk like Egyptian. And when they come upon him, look at what happened. They brought him to leadership. David. They brought him to David said, "David, we found an Egyptian." David says, "Hold hold yourselves, man. Y'all know I'm kind of photographic in the way I preach. You know, I just really wish we'll go ahead and write a play from this, and sister, sister Kim Douglas, get with Tyler, and the Tyler of this house, not the Tyler Perry in Atlanta, the, the Tyler of this house, we got a Tyler too. Tell them we got a Tyler too. And maybe if we invest in the Tyler we have, we'll see a Tyler. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Maybe we invest in the talent we have. Y'all ain't said I'm gonna leave it alone. <laughs> but but I wish somebody helped me put a play together here. How they come upon this Egyptian, bring him to David, and they say, "What we gonna do with a master? What we gonna do with him, King David?" David said, "No, you never know who God's gonna use to get you out of what you gonna get in." So those who think a black man gonna always be your deliverer, you may be wrong. Some of you who are caught up in a white man gonna be the deliverer, you may be wrong. God can choose to use whoever he wants to use to bring out you the way he wants to bring you out. And God has chosen in this case to use a half-dead Egyptian. Half-dead. Tell me I say half-dead. Half-dead means half alive. Look at verse 11. I want you to watch it with me. What did they do? They practiced restraint. Discipline. In other words, let's see what we got here. How are we going to know what we got? Feed them. They gave him bread and he did eat. He probably was saying, thank you, Jesus. And they made him drink water. I love y'all, y'all follow me like a teacher y'all made him it just says sometimes you find people who on their way to recovery but don't know how to recover sometimes a little little pressure to help them develop new habits here he is about to lose life and they said no you're gonna drink he said i don't feel like drinking he said i don't feel like drinking i don't feel like i can make it but see that's why you need midwives and people around you Who tell you, no, you need to get yourself together. They make him drink water. No, you're going to drink this water today. He said, I can't swallow. Yes, you can. They encourage him to the point that he starts drinking water. And they gave him a piece, a cake, a figs. And two clusters of raisins. So now now they gave him water. Uh, They're talking to him. And now they're feeding him. They feeding him figs, everybody say figs, 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 figs. so they give him figs, naturally, this gives me an opportunity to to preach a little bit of natural stuff here, I'm so excited about the text today. (laughs) I don't want to ignore what God has given us to help us recover here, because they don't just give him uh, just anything, they give him things that work they give him water but now they give him figs 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 help promote digestive health they don't they don't taste all that good but but if you ever get accustomed to it it's something that you could potentially eat how many ever had a fig newton ever had a fig newton strawberry fig newton maple fig newton grape oh my god fig newtons Uh, but they they are rich in fiber rich in fiber and they are antioxidants oh Oh, so they give him antioxidants that help him cleanse out the tissues and, and help oxidize any chemicals that may be in his cells and his body. Oh, oh, so look what God is doing while they're restoring strength to him. They're getting rid of stuff that's in him that's toxic. So even as God is recovering you, one of the things he do is pour in what you need and get out what you don't. Yeah, they begin to give them figs to help support healthy blood pressure. Uh, Figs help support bone health. All right. This is what figs do for us. It helps help us get ourselves back. And those who know me, I've learned in the scripture that figs have an acronym. (laughs) Yeah, it has an acronym. It means F-I-G. It means faith. In God, it's all in the Scripture. Jesus was following His disciples, and, and he had, he cursed the fig tree, and, they, and it was surprised. of a fig tree, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you hey, figure that out. Uh, it was, it was, uh, figure that. All right, figure that out. All right, it was, a, it was a fig tree, and it, it saw a fig tree with His disciples, and it had no fruit on it, but it had leaves. He came up to the fig tree, and, 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 and he wanted to eat, but there was no no fruit there, and so he cursed the fig tree. And when they came back through the city and saw the dead fig tree. They said The disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, that fig tree has died. The first thing he says to them is, have faith in God. <laughs> he says, no, figure it out. Just to figure it out. He says, have faith in God. And so a part of what they are doing is reviving his faith. When they're feeding him, they're reviving his faith. Now he believes he can live again. There are just some people just waiting to be poured into They feel like they're about to die and give up. All they need is an encouraging word. All they need to do is get rid of some things that's holding them back. But figs are not the only thing that they, they give him. They also give him raisins. Everybody say raisins. Now raisins also aid in digestion. It also helps prevent anemia, all right? It gives you iron and copper in in your body so your blood can carry the oxygen to the red blood cells, all right? So now we got raisins also helping him get his strength back. And I think it's amazing how God can take something that's dry and fill you back up. Because you know, a raisin ain't nothing but a dry grape. You know that, right? It's great that it's lost its moisture, but that don't mean it still ain't good for something. Tell your neighbor, I may have lost some things, but I'm still good for something he uses a raisin as a typology that although it may not be a grape anymore and it may not have its juice because it's been squeezed yet I'm good for something is there anybody who's lost some things but you declare I'm still good for something he uses raisins to feed him and look what the bible says in verse 12 and when he had eaten y'all see that what it says his spirit came again he came back to life for he had eaten no bread nor drink or any water for three days oh look what happened to him somebody who was sitting there dying that we potentially potentially could have walked away from we could have walked away from somebody who was half dead not recognizing they were still half alive Oh, not recognizing they were still half alive. They take a little bit of a moment. I want to pause here as I'm still telling you how to recover all because I still need believe as people we need to learn skills on how to help people get their restoration back. And uh, just a little bit your time could help somebody get their strength back just a little bit of time just a little smile just a little smile just a little bit of encouragement could help somebody get their their self back this man comes back to himself and look what he says in verse 12 and they gave him a piece of cake all right read that for he had not eaten no bread nor drink or any water three days and three nights Here it is, 13. And David said unto him, To whom, to whom thou belongest? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt servant to the Amalekite. Now that's, this is a triggering story here. I've got all kinds of triggers every time I read it. First in an Egyptian and now it's an Amalekite. My God. Now it's an Amalekite. He says, my master left me three days ago because I fell sick. Now we get his story. He's an Egyptian who got sick three days ago and his master, all right, his master decided he was no good because he was sick. I'm still warning you on the way to recover that be careful of the people who you think can't do you no good. There are some people that we just think we can put to the side, but God's about to use them. There are some people that you don't think are worth nothing, but you better be careful. God's about to use them. This man had fell sick three days ago and his and his master decided, you're not no good for me, left them in the wilderness to die. But such told somebody, God's not finished listen to his story in verse 14 we made an invasion upon the south of the Cheroites and the coast which belonged to Judah and upon the south of Caleb we, and we burned with Zaylag wait a minute wait a minute here now we got another problem not only is he an Egyptian but you're part of the people who took my stuff wait a minute here I fed him and he started testifying Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're about to handle this stuff right now. Let me tell you something That's why I'm talking about discipline. You can't be too angry If you get too angry you may not be thinking clearly Be careful when you get too angry I believe in being angry. Being angry is not a sin. The Bible tells us be angry The Bible says be angry But sin not and most time you move into sin when you get too angry so you can be angry but be careful where you go when you get too angry because I believe if they get too angry now they're going to miss what God is doing they get too angry because now we know that he's also a part of stealing their stuff verse 15 this is the dividing line for David between if you're going to live or die here it is David said to him this is it can't you bring me down to this company? We don't fed you. We don't preserved your life. Now I need to know. Can you bring me down to this company? You don't told me you was a part of the camp that took my stuff. Now I want to know. Can you bring me down to this camp? This is what Egyptian said. He says, "And swear unto me by God that I will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master." That's his response. And I. Will bring thee down to this company. He says, look at him. I'm so mad at how they did me so long ago. I'm so mad that I served. And when I got weak, they left me in the woods. You better be careful how you treat people when they're weak. You better be careful on your way to your restoration. Because I want you to understand, you're going to get your stuff. But you got to be careful. Because so many people want their stuff but treat everybody else any type of way. I want you to understand that your blessing and your wealth is still tied up in how you treat other people. You got to treat people right. Th- this man says they left me in the woods to die. All I want you to know if you don't kill me, neither bring me back to my master. He said, Don't bring me back to him. I don't know why people get free and want to go back. I don't know what people get free, but there's something about the mind. If you don't believe you can make it on your own again, you will go back to something that was no good to you. What makes a person stay in things that's just destructive? Something happens in the mind that makes you think you can't stand on your own two feet. But this Egyptian says, whatever I got to learn. See, there's certain things about being in slavery that will also enslave the mind. See because once you've been everything somebody told you what to do bring you everything or tell you what to do You're not used to operating in your own full responsibility But this Egyptian basically says, I don't care what I got to learn. Basically, if I got to go back to school, if it takes me a while to figure out how to be independent, whatever it takes, I'm not going back that way. Whatever it takes for me to learn, if I have to learn how to get two jobs, pay my bills versus depend on somebody who don't care about me. I ain't saying nothing, but I'm preaching to somebody. I'll learn how to work two jobs before I depend on somebody who don't love me. He says, whatever gonna happen, you can't take me back to my master. I'm not going backwards. Tell somebody I'm not going backwards. Let me get through here. And this is what he said in verse 16. And when he had brought him down, he said, I'm going to show you how to get there. And this is why I'm telling you how important this, this message is. You could have you killed something God was resurrected. This Egyptian has now become their guide. Because he knows where, his pe- where the people are. He was a part of the raid. And he basically grabs them by the hand. And he says, I'm going to walk you right back to your stuff. Some of y'all could be in the midst of restoration. But if you don't judge it right, you're going to miss God. Ah, you're going to miss God. He says, come on, I'm going to take you right where they are. Look at verse 16. And we had brought him down. Behold. Lord, I love the Bible. I mean, not even look at my paper for the rest of this. I'm so excited. <laughs> he says, behold, they were spread abroad upon the earth, eating and drinking, dancing because all the great spoil they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. Here's the enemy dancing because he don't took your stuff. Done took David's stuff, having a party and a celebration, and they don't understand that the person they let go, (laughs) the person they left for dead, done led David and his people back to the camp, and here's David and his people looking at (laughs) him. They dancing and celebrating, and they don't know they about to get, they dancing and celebrating cut short. Then I took all David's stuff. God has a way of getting you back your stuff I don't care how difficult it is. I don't care what you lost. I don't care what you've been through. God is a restorer of time. And he's a restorer of years. And if you are not afraid to follow God, God can get your stuff back. God can get your integrity back. God can get you your influence back. God can get you your health back. But you can't be afraid to follow God. Amen. Got to get through here. Here it is, verse seventeen. Verse seventeen. Behold, they are spread abroad, sixteen, all over the earth, eating and dancing because all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of Philistines out of the land of Judah. Seventeen. And David smote them, mean fought them, from the twilight even until the evening of the next day. Tell someone that's a long whooping. <laughs> This is our problem when God's recovering us. We let up on the enemy. God gives us a little progress and we let up on him. God gives a little favor and we let up on the enemy. You got to know how to go for it all. You got to know how not to let, let up on the enemy. David whoops his enemy from twilight to the evening of the next day. See, our problem is, it's time to get the progress. We back up and, p- and take pressure off of our enemy. David, in my way, I describe it is. David beat them until he could see the victory. Cause sometimes when you start winning, it's dark. When he started beating them, it was twilight. So he kept beating them till the sun came up. And when the sun came up, he said, oh, I think I'm winning now. What I'm trying to tell you in strategy to recover all, stop letting up. Stop taking your foot off the gas. Stop giving the devil room to come back in your life. Start letting the devil have keys to your house. Stop letting the devil have a conversation with you. Give no place to the devil. Whip him from the twilight to the evening of the next day. Some of y'all done been beat down and then when you get your chance to beat the devil back up, you are merciful. Stop it devil stop it devil no he tried to take you out and when you get the opportunity to get back on your feet you gotta stop letting up say stop letting up keep your foot on the gas keep your foot on the gas stop giving him room to come back into your life David whoops them from the twilight to the evening of the next day I don't nobody that's a that's a long whooping And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 men, which rode upon camels and fled. The only people that got away was quick, agile, skillful young men. You weren't young and skillful, you did not get away. (laughs) They jumped on camels and got out of there. See, that's what young folk do. They smart at that thing. They said, if my older people got beat up, I know I ain't got no chance of surviving. I'm out of here. They got out of there, and they fled. Verse 18, here it is. And David recovered all. Everybody say all. All All that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that had been taken, taken to them. David recovered all. Let me tell you something about God. God will, God will cause you to recover, say all. Oh. See, that's things you know the devil took and that's things you didn't know he'd yeah. No, he had taken. It. Oh. it was like when David got to the camp, excuse me, David got to the camp, they looked around and said, oh, that go my stuff right there. That go my stuff right there. And then they got some other stuff where they say, well, well whose stuff is that? That don't look like our stuff. This is where everything is awesome. You say everything is ours. If if, if God takes it from the enemy it belongs to you. And many times we'll find ourselves with new stuff and we're wondering what to do with it. But I'm going to tell you what to do. You got to learn to claim what's yours. And there's some things that the devil have right now. But in a little bit it's going to be transferred over to you. The Bible declares that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. It may be in the hands of the wicked right now. But you keep living is going to be a transfer. They get in the camp and they claim everything they can see, they can grab, and you got to learn how to claim what's yours. Some of us are just those type of people that we we get there and we just don't understand God has given us all of it. Say all of it. it. We get down to the camp, things spread out. Y'all got to really do a play for me on this thing. Y'all got to really do a... drama play for me this is this is it here they get down to the camp and and some of us are just that way god has given us everything we're like oh yeah that's mine oh yeah i remember that oh that's mine we're missing it everything you see is yours everything god shows you is yours everything god told you you can have is yours everything you dreamed of is yours hallelujah if you got to the camp and one of the one of the uh, one of the um, one of the malachites had a little bike that bike is yours that's yours too to get your children say like, get on it son it's yours <laughs> mama did you buy it no God gave it to us it's yours you got to learn how to claim what's yours some of us miss our blessings because we don't know how to claim what's yours let me tell y'all something I do believe in work. Anybody believe in work? I believe in work. Work is one of the honest ways to obtain stuff, but it's not the only way. God also gives you stuff when you don't have to work for. It's called grace and miracles. I can get to millionaire status by grace. Now I'm okay with going to work every day and working something and become a millionaire, but I ain't got no problem with grace. See y'all, some of y'all see I'm different. I'm not against work, but I don't believe work is the only way to get there. I serve a miracle-working God, and if he wants to bless me, he got something called divine favor and divine miracles and grace, and I ain't got to work a bit for it. You can get the same place through work that you can get by grace. Give it, if you don't believe me, give me a million dollars and see what I do with it. Give it to me. See, I guarantee you, I ain't worked a day for your million dollars. But if you give it to me, I'll show you how to spend it. (laughs) I guarantee you, tell your neighbor, say, claim was yours. I'm almost done here. (laughs) In Jesus' name. I'll also do it in Jesus' name. I'll spend it in Jesus' name. I'll invest it all in Jesus' name. Oh, y'all getting me what I'm saying? I'm I'm about done here, my last point. Here we go. David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle, and David and said, "This is David's spoil." That's the point. Claim was yours. And David came. All right. And David came. All right. I don't want to read that first verse twenty. And, and David and this is David's spoil. All right. I want you to understand. I'm, I'm finished. I ain't going to do the other point. David began to say, "I need you to claim what's yours, and then I need you to understand how to be able to be a giver, even with what God has given you." That's one of the final points that he begins to give on how to recover all. I want you to understand today that God is calling you to recover all. Say, recover all. We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him.